What's going on, Flyer fans? Welcome to another episode of High and Wide Radio. I'm your host, Angry Jim, here with my trusty co-host, Jack Smith. Say hello, Jack. Hello, Jack. <laughs> it's that time of year for us, Flyer fans, uh, where we expected to be getting ready for the first round. And really, this is my favorite time of the year, usually, where you know it's springtime, it's getting warmer out, it's getting lighter out longer, and you know you get home from work gearing up for the Stanley Cup playoffs instead. We're left watching other cities, other teams getting ready. And, you know, there's still a few spots left in the Eastern Conference, or there's still some good hockey left to watch. Unfortunately, the Flyers are not one of those teams still alive. They've been eliminated with two games left still. Uh, so tonight we're going to start our season review from former coaches and GMs to players who made brief cameos to guys who maybe shouldn't have even been on the roster in the first place. And, Jack, I'll let you kick this one off, man. Well, you said it. How you ended that is what, basically what I was thinking. That's what you said. Um, former coaches, guys who shouldn't have been here in the first place. And, yep, the Flyers were projected. This We were told by Ron Hextall that they were, they were it's time to win. You know, enough of the rebuilding. It's time to win. They go get, they get JBR. They don't address goaltending. They don't address the penalty kill. But it's time to win. Uh, projected to uh, – contend for the division that looks like a complete joke at this point um and yeah they're a playoff bubble team and that's i feel like it's being being generous if it wasn't for how well they played in the second half of the season we'd be in a uh jack Hughes sweepstakes for sure probably leading the pack but the reason i want to talk about this today is because it's that time of the year where we know we're out of it there's still two games left and you you know, people tend to give their grades on the season and certain players. But one thing that I think we really need to dive into, and we will give some grades, but mainly is the tenure of Hackstall and Hextall. And to be honest, these two are what they're it's weird that their names sound so similar, but they're like one within the other because Hextall was only here for like a year and a half before he brought in Hackstall. Like he really, I think he was here. We maybe had a, uh, uh, Craig Berube for a year. I'm not sure if he was the, you know, the official GM at that point um, any longer than that. So really he's, he's hitched his wagons to Hackstall. And I think you can agree with me. It's been a colossal fail. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think we were all pretty excited when, you know, Hextall came in as the GM, you know, it was all, you know, Hextall's here, blah, blah. blah. He's going to fix everything. You know, we know how Hextall, uh, was as a player and you know he was kind of the opposite as a, a general manager um still still kind of stubborn but um you know for me you know the way he played on the ice where he kind of he got angry so what i expected to see was a complete roster overhaul but i expected it to turn around a lot quicker than you know it, it actually has and you know if 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 you think they've turned a corner at all um you know, it just took it took too long. I I understand his plan. You know, he wanted to completely, you know, overhaul the entire organization from the ground up. Um, but it, I I'm not so sure that it had to take this long. Um, so for myself, uh, I think one of his biggest mistakes was hiring a guy like Dave Hackstall. Uh, you know, and and maybe he hired him for a reason. Uh, maybe he had a plan cause he knew, uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to blame, you know, the rosters that 
Hextall put on the ice on Hextall, but I do believe that he had a part in, you know, certain players that we're going to bring up in a little bit. He had a part in those guys uh, getting ice time and, and staying in games that they should not have been playing in. You know, you have all this young talent ready to come up. You're loaded with young talent and they're playing guys like, you know, Yuri Laterra and Dale Weiss. Um, so, uh, it, you know, Hackstall definitely gets a lot of the blame here and, and we'll get to Hacks, more on Hackstall. But for Hackstall, uh, I have I have my pros and cons here. I don't know if you want me to get to that now or you want me to wait a little bit with that. Well, yeah, we should get into it. But let me let me just say this. Uh, I called it a colossal fail. I met more so of Hackstall and Hackstall together. Mm-hmm. Hextall on his own actually did a lot of good. He did get rid of a lot of bad contracts. He did wait out the ones he needed to, and he actually rebuilt our farm system pretty significantly. He got Carter Hart. He got Morgan Frost. He got Joel Farabee. Like, he did a lot, a lot of good on the drafting aspect and the building aspect. I don't want that to go unnoticed. When I said Colossal Fail, I'm mainly talking about the Hextall hextall like partnership. Mm-hmm. And what you brought up, and it's like, just real quick, yeah, Hextall had issues adding to the roster what needed to be done. And a lot of people who like Hextall, for some strange reason, be like, oh, show me a goalie, I'll show you a good team, show me this, show me that. At the same time, Hextall was starting some of the worst players on the team, playing them 20 minutes a game in key situations. I see you, Andrew McDonald. Like, you know. And it, we were we were calling for, hey, Hexel, take Andrew McDonald away from Hexel so he can't use him. Like it, it, it was like the same argument on both sides. Like you need to add, you need to do something now. And Hexel's like, no, now's not the time. And Hexel, you can't start bad players over good players. <laughs> and he'd be like, no, no, he's a veteran presence. You know, they both had some serious faults when it came to winning at the NHL level, and that ultimately is what I believe was the colossal fail. So with that, we'll get into more depth. I want to hear your pros and cons list. Let's do it. Yeah, uh, real quick, because you brought up a, a great point there. I mean, uh, between Hextall and Hackstall, maybe they were too similar. You know, maybe they saw things the same way too often. Whereas maybe, let's say Hackstall wanted to play certain guys. Maybe you're right that, a, you know, a guy like Hextall needed to realize, oh, man, you know, he, he's really stuck in his ways here. I got to step in and help him out and take this guy away, you know, so that he has no choice. Instead, maybe they felt too much of the same, and, you know, we got what we got. You, you know what, what term I believe they both uh, were similar? I want to say stubborn, but Paul Holgram has created a better word for me. Hacksaw and Hexall were both unyielding in their approach to the game. Hexall with his plan and Hacksaw with his, like, absolute – need to play older players over better players because they are quote unquote a veteran presence and his asinine lineups. <laughs> so the, yeah, I do think they were similar in some strange ways. Um, I have a lot more respect for hack. Yeah. I have no respect for Hacksaw. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't even think he belongs in the NHL. I could be proven wrong but as of right now. He never played in the, he never coached in the AHL as a coach or an assistant and same in the NHL got paid almost as much as uh, Joel Quenville with Chicago. I think like 500,000 short a year to make the jump from college to the NHL and has, I don't want to call him a complete travesty, but he definitely wasn't good. And I just, it, the whole thing was, it was just a real fail. I would love to see him defend his position. I think the results show for themselves and it's, 
I almost want to say, hey, when he got fired, the Flyers started winning. But you got to remember, they did bring up Carter Hart. But that being said, they've been winning when he hasn't started as well. And the one thing that gets to me the most is there's a lot of fair weather Flyers fans. Some guys who say they're Flyers fans don't really watch. Oh, I like Hacksaw. And I say, well, why? Why is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we've been to the playoffs twice. We got embarrassed both times by division rivals, one of which was the Penguins. How could that have been enjoyable for you? Because you got to say, I saw playoff hockey. You, half the league makes the playoffs. Okay, half the league. I, mean, I think it's more than half. 16 out of 31, that's more than half. So you're going to tell me, like, that's all you strive for? Like, that, that is asinine. If we, the team that we, you and I grew up with, Jimmy, this Edge Snyder would be in a, with a shotgun putting people down, making sure that shit went the way it was supposed to. And it's just, I get really revved up about Hextall. Hextall is a little different, but let's, uh, before I go off on a complete tangent. <laughs> I was going to say, because I sort of went there. I, too, feel, I feel my blood starting to literally boil. So why don't we move on to your, your list? Yeah, you're getting me revved up. Uh, since we were on on the topic of Hackstall last, I'll start off with uh, with Hackstall. Um, and believe it or not, I, I have three pros and then, uh, you know, uh, three cons. So I'll start with the pros. Um, he made the playoffs two out of three uh, years of his full seasons. And, you know, you it looks good on the surface. But, you know, when, when I look back at the Hackstall tenure, it doesn't feel good at all. Like there's, I mean, they got destroyed in, in both years in the playoffs by, uh, you know, the, obviously uh, the division rivals and the Penguins and uh, the Capitals who ended up going to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, but wait, was that last year? They lost the Pittsburgh last year. last year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, I mean, uh, that's right. It, w- it was the year that uh, Mason gave up that long one, right? It was the year that the fans were throwing the uh, Edge Snyder bracelets on the ice. That's right, man. That's right. So, I mean, two out of the three years, and it doesn't even feel like a positive, you know. Um, I'm going to try to give him a compliment here. He possibly overachieved given the state of the roster that he was given. Um, And, and, you know, we can touch on that a little bit more. Um, My third one, uh, (laughs) I put in Help Me Out Jack for my third pro. Uh, so if, if you have something to put in for a third throw for Dave Hackstall, help me out. Oh my God. You want me to give a pro? <laughs> you know, you I don't almost, have one thing. I almost feel like I should say he's good with the young guys, except for he's not. And they all regressed. That's so, what he was brought in for, right? Uh, that's what all the people who don't know a whole lot about hockey like to tell me, yeah. you know, oh, he's good with the young guys. Well, why are they all regressing? Why does the team suck? Yeah. Um, I, I Outside of overachieving in year one, I feel like he had a – okay, I'll say this. His system that he ran, I feel like if, if he got the team to buy in and had the goaltending in some of the players, there's a chance it could have been successful. I don't think he was good at selling it. I think when things went wrong, he ran away from his own system awfully quick. If you notice, when he was first was with the team, they would score a lot of goals. They win a lot, like four to three, six to five kind of games. And they were winning still, and he pulled back because he and he wasn't wrong for doing this. But I would I would have stuck with what wins. Pulled back because he couldn't trust his goaltenders to like you know two on ones and his, and his defense really. Um, and he he didn't want to get blown out in games and get scored on so often. 
So he, he changed his own system a bit. And then they started losing like close games, like three to two, four to three kind of thing. And it, it was the goaltending, but it also was guys like Andrew McDonald, who he continued to play 25, 20 to 25 minutes a game and in key situations on the penalty kill and at the end of games. And guys like Valerie Filippia, uh, Jory Leterre, like it's just – I. I'll never understand that because they were, they were veterans. Like that was the only fact because they were veterans. It doesn't matter who's the best player. It's who's played the longest in those league, which makes no sense to me, especially because Haxel never coached in the NHL. So I don't know. I don't, it must be a senior thing for college although they're seniors. So they know what to do. Like, I, I, I don't know. It racks my mind. So I tried to give something positive, and it, you see how it, does, it devolved <laughs> into a negative. So I was going to say, wait, are we talking positives here or what? Yeah, I, I started – I think he had a system, if he'd have stuck with it, that may have been successful had he been given the players. He never had a goalie while he was here. Elliot was solid, and he did, he did officially make the playoffs. When he got there, he was a joke. In big games, he was a joke, but he did – make the playoffs. So he didn't get run out of Philly and looked absolutely terrible. So yeah, he had a system that possibly could have worked. And if he revamps it and gets a second chance, I don't see, I wouldn't write him off completely. I'd be extremely skeptical. I would still give him a shot. I don't want him back here, but it wouldn't surprise me if he popped up in the NHL down the road. I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah. I feel bad for whoever that team is. (laughs) So uh, you, <laughs> you want to move on to cons here? Yeah, oh, oh, wow. You, you This wasn't my birthday. <laughs> this bear shit in the woods. Well, why don't you go first so I don't steal all the good ones. All right. So my first one is he was extremely, extremely boring. <laughs> like personality wise, play wise. There was, there was nothing about him that I actually enjoyed. I, I, I didn't. You know, a lot of times after games, I like to watch the post-game show and the press conferences, and uh, he just gave nothing. You know, uh, there was nothing there, no passion, no emotion. Uh, he, when he was pissed off, it seemed fake. You know, it seemed forced. Um, and, I, and I get that, you know, not everybody is that way, but that it's just not the kind of coach that I, I want to see. You know, it, you know, if somebody gets uh, angry or, or pissed off um, – it shows me that they care, that they're not happy, that they're, they're um, not um, – what's the word I want to say here? Uh, you know, they're, they're not pleased with what is happening. You know, you can say that you're not happy all you want, but I need to see that you're not happy. And, you know, for me, it, it, you know, he was Manic and Dave. You know what I mean? It seemed like – just to piggyback, it just seemed like he had a contract, and no matter what happened – he had this reassurance from Hextall that he was going to coach out his contract. And I kind of believe it because it took Hextall getting fired for him to get fired. You know what I mean? And that that's why I, if he's probably looked complacent because he's like, well, whatever happens, I'm good. That's a good you know? point. There was like a, he had, there was an arrogance to him almost. It, there really was. And like I would see such bad games, such bad games. And I would like, I'm like, I'm gonna listen to the post game. I need to see how he tries to defend this idiocy. And he would just like say these like, almost like a politician. You know, he was composed. I'll give him that. That's part of the reason why he was able to get away with it. Where like guys like Trump like lose their shit and start saying, you know, 
they, they get called out because they go off the rails. Well, I'm just saying he goes off the rails, and it's yeah, easy yeah. to make fun of him. Where Hack, Hacksaw never, because he had no emotion, he never went off the rails. Yes. He always stayed cool, calm, and collected. And he'd be like, well, you know, we need to play better. Like, well, uh, hey, Dave, can you expand upon that? Like, why was McDonald out in an important situation? Well, he's a veteran presence, and we wanted him out there, so we went with that. Well, yeah, nobody would go that extra step to be like, hey, Dave, this has failed every single time. So he was able to get away with those kind of things. Right. The only one time he said something about a referee, and I was like, I remember being like happy. I mean, like, wow, he actually said something. Like, wow, that was like two years ago. You know what I mean? And it's just, like you said, there's no fire behind the bench when the, the referees are not. It's not so much that I want you to get a call, you know, just to get back in the game. Oh, that was tripping. We'll argue it, Dave. No, it's when your guy gets hit from behind against the boards. It's clearly boarding. The player's hurt. You need to yell at the officials that if they're not going to protect your players, that you're going to send your players to protect your players. Like, that's the kind of shit he needs to get angry about. Because that's you don't want your guys getting hurt. You can deal with a loss. You can deal with penalties or no calls. What you can't deal with is concussions and you know back injuries and the whole face injuries and the whole nine. You know, as if as a if anything, Hextall should have been on this as, as well because we saw Nolan Patrick get hurt twice in two seasons and kind of stunt his growth among other players. That's the stuff you need to be passionate and angry about. Uh, you know, so to go with your no no emotion, yeah, definitely bothered me as well. Mm-hmm. My second one here, I had he got obliterated against the real teams. You know, anybody can beat the uh, shit. The first team that came to mind was the Coyotes, but they lost to them twice last year. Uh, just to, just real quick, they were the Coyotes were zero and ten, and who did they when they get their first win against? I think it was yep. last year, the Flyers. Yeah, yep. exactly. So I mean, when they play teams like Pittsburgh and they play teams like the Capitals, they got the doors blown off them. You know, they just. You know, I, I'm not sure what it was, but the teams with – maybe it's the roster, the teams with real talent. You know, he, he just didn't adjust, right? Like, I, let's let's say, number one, he didn't have the proper roster, right? But, you know, there there are moves to make. There are, you, Like, you're not going to get blown out 7-1 to one if you're making adjustments. Like, it, it just seemed like against the real the real teams, he didn't have a shot. Not, yeah, and, and not just the real teams, the big games. It's yeah. like, you know, you're right there in a playoff race or you got the, you know, uh, a playoff game or any big spot like this meaningful on the standings. Not only do they lose, they lose like handily. You know, like it's like five to one or like you check your phone. Oh, they're down three nothing already. You know, and it's like, and they never belonged. You know, like they play with the big boys, they get they get beat up. And I never understood that. Like, we we would get hot. We would get like, oh, they're doing good. Like, they would start beating, racking up wins, and they would go on a streak when they were playing the top teams in the divisions. Like, they maybe would sneak out. Say they played six games for a total of twelve points, they might get four, two overtime. They they bring a couple of teams to overtime, and when they lost, they lost. And you notice that this year especially. I remember right at the end of his tenure, played Winnipeg seven to one. They lost. <laughs> The Islanders earlier in the season, like November, like it was like six to one before the third period. You know, Washington, Boston, Boston only won three nothing, but they dominated the whole game. Mm-hmm. Like you know, just you just like you. I remember being like leaving those games, being like, like we're a bad team. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like wow, Toronto smoked them. I think that's what got Hextall fired, is when Toronto went off on us. 
It's like, Jesus, man. Like, we can't even get up to play real NHL teams. You beat up on all the bad teams to, like, tread water. And then, like, these teams come by and just run you right over. And it's embarrassing. It's sad. It's just, it's just how you can you ever see Hackstall holding a Stanley Cup with this team? No way. No way. Yeah. So, you know, thank God he's he's gone, man. I have I only picked one more con here. I I could have done like a whole list of them, like ten. But my third one, and you're gonna love this one, is. He chose to play the terrible vets over the young kids. And, you know, I'm going to assume that he had control over the roster. Um, and he chose to start Yuri Letera. He chose to start Andy McDonald. He chose to start Dale Weiss. Um, who, who, did I, who else did I miss here, man? Because it seemed like well, they were up early on. About Terry Philpa, right? Yeah. I mean, McDonald, just, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it was like, uh, I don't know, man. It just didn't make sense. Like, he. I, I assumed that since he was a college coach, he was brought in to kind of help the younger guys along. And, you know, to, to your point, when, when uh, you know, I guess, what did you call them? Fairweather Flyer fans will, will argue with you. Oh, he was good with the young kids. Well, he didn't friggin' play the young kids. He chose to play the jerk-offs like Andy McDonald and, and Valtteri Filippola. You know what I mean? So that argument is kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of dumb. I mean, obviously, Provorov was on the roster uh, Gossip Bear was on the roster, uh, and, and Nolan Patrick. I mean, he was a second overall pick. He's got to be on the roster. Um, you know, they they, they all kind of regressed. Uh, besides, I mean, Gossip Bear started out really hot. Uh, he had a huge year last year, but this year is like, uh, you know, it's a, I, I don't know what his issue was. I'm not going to assume anything because I, I don't know. But those those guys that we just named, Provorov went backwards. Uh, Patrick, I mean, he's only 20 years old. He had a second 30-point year. I expected a little bit more out of him. And, and uh, who's the other guy I just said? Why can't I think of his name now? Is Patrick it? Povarov. Oh, Gosses Bears having yeah. a, a pretty cruddy year. Um, I expect Ghost to bounce back next year, but so I, I can't really blame that all on Hack. But, you know, the point was that he, he played the, the slow, old vets who, you know, and, and these aren't even veterans that will make a difference in the game. They're just warm bodies, which is what baffled me. <laughs> So I'll let you take the reins there, Jack. I know you got a lot of uh, steam you'd like to get out there. Well, he could be more right. I mean, it just came down to like, look how, who would you say is the best defenseman for the Flyers this year? This year, I would have to go with uh, Travis Sanheim. Exactly. You are correct. Hacksaw was playing him like six to eight minutes a game and McDonald's still getting 20 up <laughs> until he was fired. Like, can you just not evaluate talent? And on and to like on top of that, look how bad Robert Hag has been lately. Like, I just don't think he's a good player. Like, <laughs> he reminds me of McDonald a little bit. Yeah. I don't I don't believe in any of these hits. Hag was a uh, hackstall promotion. Like, you made the team out of chance out of camp, you know. And on top of that, when like play young players would make mistakes. He would put them in the press box. Think back to Ghost when he was riding, the, you know. True, yeah. Yet McDonald makes mistakes constantly and never gets in trouble. How could you take him or McDonald seriously? Like, Jimmy, I, I understand if you're younger, okay? So say you're on a team. You just made the team. You were good on the team you were on before, and this is like the next step up. And you're sitting on the bench, and you watch like 
the one of the highest paid guys at your position constantly screw up, like to the point where it's embarrassing, where he doesn't look like he knows how to skate. You go out there, you do the, everything you can. You're like actually scoring. You're doing more than you're expected. But then one game, you have a little blunder, and you're just benched the next game. But the other guy that you're watching is still playing. How how do you not like get extremely extremely angry? Yeah, I, I, you know that's a good point too. Like, um, you know, what more can you possibly do? It's almost uh, like I don't want to say demoralizing, but you know, you no, know it's you're a better perfect than word. It's a perfect word. I'm sorry to interrupt. Perfect yeah. word. Keep going. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, what more do I got to do to get some playing time? You're playing this jerk off wide because he makes $5 million a year. Like, somebody messed, somebody fucked up, you know, with that contract. And now and now I'm getting benched because he's got to play. Like, he stinks. You know, so it's – and, uh, you know, I think I brought up this point. I can't remember if it was on in a, on our show. But, uh, you know, it, as, a, as a young player, uh, when you know that you're going to be stuck somewhere for a while, where's the motivation to, to play better? You know, if you if if you know that you're going to be somewhere for two, three, four years with no chance of getting called up. And when you do get called up, you're getting called up for six, six, seven, eight minutes a night. Where where's my motivation there? You know, I'm just going to I'm going to go through the motions until it's my time to be called up. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it's it really bothers me how he treated the young guys. And he's supposed to be good with them because Mm -hmm. some of them played well, like, you know, Patrick had a stretch connecting, looked pretty good. But you really think that was Hackstall's doing? If you look how he actually handled the young guys, it was no different than any other coach. And what kills me is I had people tell me, like, well, you yeah, know, we'll give him a break. He's good with the young guys. I'm like, where's the proof in this? Like, the whole team is young, and he still finds a way to play the bad veterans as much as he can. And sorry about that. I had one of my notes. And. I just his you would see his lineups. He would set the lineup because you had asked that. He did set the lineups. I believe the defensive coaches picked the, what pairings went out when, but he set the lineups, and you would be baffled. It's like this guy cannot set an optimal lineup. He just doesn't know how to do it. And yeah. it, 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 that's what just drove me nuts the most is his player evaluation and how he treated everybody and his love for guys like Andrew McDonald and veterans is just absolutely mind-blowing to see the mistakes they would make on national television and they would lead directly to goals it wasn't like something little like it would lead directly to a goal and just unpunished untouched and just no he's a good defenseman still i'm going to keep him in in the position he's in and it just it's 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 stupidity it's it's insanity it's literally insanity and he just never learned from his mistakes and we kept having to swallow this bullshit and i don't did you have something else on that <laughs> nah, I think he pretty much said it all, man. That's it. We got the pros and cons for Hackstall. I mean, if there's anything else that I missed that you wanted to add in there. Well, just that he ran his goalies into the ground. I mean, he doesn't believe – I don't think know if he believes in a, a backup goalie to him is when the starter gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's not even for back-to-backs. It's not even to give him a rest. It's like, you're going to – Brian Elliott, I don't care that you're 30-whatever years old. You will play for me until you can't breathe. <laughs> and he literally like tore his core like for a hockey player or goalie that's like his like his heart <laughs> of his playing ability like what he hurt you know like you can't do that especially because he's older and it's like you gotta you gotta give him some relief and i know that you can't depend on neuberth that's a hextall issue but you still he was healthy 
and you were playing Elliott way too much. And he's become more injury prone because of it flat out. He's got no, like his course is just, I don't want to say it's shot, but he's no, he's not a starter anymore. And partly the blame is Hacksaw. And yeah, that that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's the other thing. I think we touched on everything, the, the goaltending, the lineups. Um, he didn't really play with the roster. Uh, he may he I mean I don't want to kill him for bad like challenges because every coach has good and bad challenges. You brought up how he's dead behind the bench. I mean, there's not a whole lot else. It's just the things that he did do were so glaringly bad. It was embarrassing. It was obvious too. That's what it was. It was so obvious what he was doing was wrong, and he just like fully just got a got away with it because of Hextall. So yeah, I mean, he was. He was a pretty bad coach, man. <laughs> he lie. was pretty he was really... terrible, wasn't he? And that's why I, I don't want to call him like the worst of all time or anything, but like he, he, was, he was bad. He was bad. Yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, when I look back, I'm like, wow, two out of the three years, uh, two out of the three full seasons, he made the playoffs. And I'm like, dude, he was so friggin' bad, though. Like he was painfully bad. Um, but you know, let, let's move on a little bit because I'm I'm kind of getting depressed talking about Hackstall. Um, and I don't know if this is going to make it make things any better, but you know, maybe we at least we can start out with the pros for for Hextall. Um, so, do you want to start out with the pro? Gladly. Uh, I was actually a disciple of Hextall. I totally was. I uh, it was very surprised to hear all the things that came out after the firing. But uh, one of the fondest, earliest memories I have of Hextall is the Coburn trade. You know, getting a first, a third, and Radko Gudis, and then trading that first with like a second he got from when he traded team in that's how we got travis connecting like that's that 2015 draft pro ball connecting the first round like this is two of my favorite players right now mm-hmm. you know what i mean like he drafted carter hart in the second round there's still guys working their way up the you know like uh Rufstoff and wade allison and even pascal laburge is coming back like he he was hurt for so long oh you should have taken to bring cat and honestly they should have but like he came back from injury after like two years, and he like he I think I don't know if he's with the Phantoms or whatnot, but he, whoever he's with, he's got like a hat trick. It's like it's like second game. I think I yeah. saw that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like that was a guy like you you wrote off. You got guys like uh, Lindblom in the fifth round. Vorobiev was another fifth rounder who's already scratched the NHL. Like there's more guys. There's plenty more guys. Felipe Myers wasn't even a draft pick. He signed him out of camp. Like you can't. Let that stuff go. His rebuilding skills were fantastic. He traded Chris Pronger and God knows what to Phoenix just to get rid of the contract. He traded Vinny LeCavier and Luke Shen and got Jordan Will, who was a serviceable player, like for the short time he was here. Like he did a lot of good with reshaping this team and getting out of cap hell. And it really was cap hell, you know. It just when it came to his decisions at coach winning now, really, between the coach and fixing holes that we had, he just I feel like he had a plan and he did. He and uh, Holgram would say the same. He was unyielding. He wanted to wait. I feel like he wanted to wait till a certain year to start. And this wasn't the year. And it was one year too long for the fans and mainly for Comcast who put the pressure on Holgram to put the pressure on Hextall, who said, this is my show, and you're going to let me run it my way. And said, well, 
your show's dead last, so you're at it. It's either you or the coach, and he put himself on the line for the coach, which blows my mind. And you know, when the, I remember that day very well when he got fired, and I uh, was very upset. I remember my friend texted me. He goes, "Jack, they fired the wrong guy." <laughs> I was like, "You're right, they did. Um, they should have fired them both." We'll get into that later. The debacle of the whole front office, but. He didn't do enough to win now. You can't throw away seasons, and that's what the problem was. He ignored a horrific penalty kill. He ignored big issues in goal. He could have added to the defense, and he just everything was about tomorrow. We're two years away from being two years away. You know, that was Hextall, and that was the issue. So he did a lot of good, but he didn't do enough for the – for the now and that's what bit him in the ass so what was your what was your take jimmy yeah i mean you, you hit a lot of nails on the head there i mean um for for some pros i have uh he signed guys like sean couturier and shane gossip to to really really good i, I think team friendly deals um he like you touched on he, he stocked up the farm uh system with really good young talent they have you know talent for days down there and a, a lot of the defense on the roster um, Carter Hart as well is because of Ron Hextall. Um, so I mean, you know, I think like to, to your point, they were in Capel and he really did completely rebuild the farm system. I think, you know, next year, the Phantoms are going to be fun to watch next year, man. They're going to have a lot, a lot of talent on the team, a lot of possible NHL talent on that team. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, this is this is Philly, and you know we're used to winning. We're not used to sucking. We're not used to being complacent. Um, we're not an apathetic fan base. You know, we're a passionate fan base. We want to win, and four years of you know kind of BS is you know a, a year too too long. Uh, even for myself, like you know, it, it's hard to say because I understood the plan. You know what I mean? But it's just so long, and. I don't want to wait for that, dude, because there's ways to fix a roster. And I think he could have at least done it a little faster. You know what I mean? And I think you agree. Um, I don't know. It just was so long, man. And I know we're talking about pros here. Um, let's get let's get right into the cons, please. You want to get into the cons? You got any other pros you want to add on the Hextall? Well, no, you brought up the other one I forgot, which was how good he was with contracts with Ghost and uh, Couturier. That was a good point. Um, yeah, and I was kind of hoping he'd be here for, you know, the Provorov contract, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and Carter Hart, too. But, yeah, so, the, yeah, the cons, it, it, a lot of it came out. We knew what some of the obvious cons were with the not one doing enough to win now, ignoring the penalty kill and the goaltending and maybe even adding another defenseman and the coach, honestly. <laughs> like, if he'd have done things right, we could have had Barry Trotz. He, you know, can you imagine having Barry Trotz this year and then not being ready to win? He probably would have had us second in the division, and then we'd be adding, like, legit, legit players. For um, sure. But yeah, like when he got fired, like I, I really didn't like how Gord Murphy was a spy. I don't like how the alumni wasn't allowed in the off uh, in the uh, locker room with the player. That blew my mind. Flyers, I've always been like told and read that they're a family, and you don't, you just don't do that. You know what I mean? Like Flyers were always this way, and I feel like if, that's something that was implemented after Snyder died, because there's no way he'd let that fly. And I don't like that. That's not a Flyers way of doing things. And his inner circle got smaller and smaller, probably till it was like him and three other yes men. You know what I mean? Like he wouldn't tell anybody anything. He wanted doors closed. Pe- players not eating 
wings and pizza and um, honestly enjoying themselves. I can imagine that he made it not fun to come to work and that that's demoralizing and, and you already got a bad coach and some shit players and it's, it just probably all snowballed. And that's why the team was so terrible. Part of the reason why they made their turnaround, we like to credit it to Carter Hart and other things, but probably a lot of it was they probably started having fun again at, at work. Like, this is their jobs. Like, yeah, they're playing hockey, but, the, you know, it's their jobs. And they probably started having a, being more relaxed at work, and that goes a long way. And I was shocked to hear that. Absolutely shocked. And I'm kind of glad it's not in – it's helped me cope with the loss of Hextall because I loved him, especially come draft time. This June is going to be tough for me, Jimmy, because you know how much I – delve into the draft and he's like hit almost like all of his top picks and that was really surprising especially the spy thing and you know you can't i just i disagree with all of it i don't even want to defend hextall like i i did enough of that and hearing all this stuff it's like wow like all this was going on i didn't even realize it it shapes the picture for you and you can understand maybe why the team besides Hacksaw, because they are too talented, even with his dumb ass running the ship to play the way they do. It's like, this is a lot worse than I thought it was. And, you know, now that they're both out of here to see how they're, they played this much better in the second half of the season. I kind of see why. And I think it's more than just Carter Hart. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so I, I, I mean, I have a couple of cons here. So I mean, to to some of your points, he failed to fill out the roster, the NHL roster. Um, you know, you have guys like Giroux, Voracek, Simmons, all in there. Uh, I mean, I guess they're prime. They're all twenty nine years and older. Simmons obviously no longer here. Um, he signed Michael Neuberth and Brian Elliott for two years apiece in two thousand and seventeen, and you know, came into the to this year with those two goalies as Elliot's supposed to be your starter and Michael Neuber is supposed to be your backup. Are you fucking kidding me? All right. We said it before the, before the season even started, you have, this is what's going to happen. They got Elliot. They're going to overuse Elliot. He's going to get hurt. Neuber's going to come in. He's made a glass. You know, what are you going to do? Just so happens. They set the record for most goalies used in the season this year. Like what, what the F you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm that sure blew no my team, F in mind, dude. No team is going to be successful with that. And in 2017, when he signed them both to two-year deals, you're kind of like, you were like, uh, that. But then after 2018, and you see the injuries that both goalies have gone through, like core muscle surgery for the healthy guy. That wasn't even Neuberth. You know, that was that was uh, Elliot. He's your healthy guy. Core muscle surgery Mm -hmm. and you don't do anything in the off season to like help that issue. You don't like move out Neuverth and bring in somebody else or what, you know, just sign a flat out other goalie and ship somebody else somewhere else. Nothing, just nothing. And you're surprised. No wonder they used eight goalies this year. Like, does that a friggin' joke? He didn't want to bring up Carter Hart. Nope. That happened after he got fired. So, I don't know what he was thinking. I don't, it shocks me. He thought that those two could hold it together for another season. Yep. So for me, that that was a huge con for me. And then uh, my third con was, and this can kind of tie in with the second one, he failed to acquire uh, necessary roster needs during what I believed was a critical offseason. Um, I think most of us wanted them to go out and grab a second or third line center. 
failed to do that and, you know, possibly add a top four, even a top six, you know, some kind of a defenseman. And he failed to do that as well. Um, and, you know, they still need a second line center. They still need a top four defenseman. Um, Chuck Fletcher went out and acquired, you know, he flipped Stolarz for Talbot. And I'm not even going to talk about that friggin' trade. Um, but, you know, at, at least, you know, in Fletcher's eyes or, you know, at least what they're feeding to us is, you know, they went out and possibly got the backup goalie for the next two year or two. You know what I mean? Um, you know, as bad as he looks. So, I mean, they still need that, that second line center uh, and they still need uh, a top four defense. So really, you know, I know he added JVR. He, he scored, uh, I think he's got 26 goals this year and 64 games. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's still glaring needs to this roster. And, and Hextall failed to address uh, what I believe all three. He didn't add a goalie. He went into the season with Neuwirth and Elliott. That was a catastrophe. Um, and, yeah, he didn't address – those are my three needs. Didn't touch one of them. So, I mean, that was disappointing for me. W- what are your thoughts, Jack? It was just – it was neglect. Like, right. it was – organizational malpractice like you can't you can't do that like you're just throwing a season away like you're especially when they sign jvr and tell us we're ready to win and you have obvious glaring holes at very important positions and i think the i think his plan was like we'll ride the goaltending corbin knight will save our penalty kill and I, I, you know, you know what I mean. And JVR scored enough goals to get us over. <laughs> like, it's like you still got Hacksaw behind the bench, who's a clown. You know, you still got Andy McDonald playing way, way too much. You got a coaching staff who's clueless. Like somehow, Knobloch has come in and made like a top ten penalty kill, bottom five penalty, or I'm sorry, power play, a bottom five power play. Uh, Laviolette still, or I always do that. Lapierre still has a job. Like, to this day, I love the guy, but shit. You hey, know? So a shot with his face, man. After the Penguin series last year, we were convinced. I think people were 50-50 that Hacksaw would get fired. I was more 75-25 thinking he would stay just because I thought I knew Hacksaw. You know, but I'm like, but, you know, somebody's going to somebody's going to be a scapegoat here and it's going to be Lapierre. He makes the most sense. Everybody kept their job. And it's like he, and the explanation he gave. Well, we we like what we did towards the end of the year, and towards the end of the year, the penalty kill actually did increase. You know what that one difference was at the end of the year compared to the beginning of the year or the rest of the earlier part of the year? Goalie, Matt Reed. Oh my God, Matt Reed rejoined the Flyers and mainly played on their penalty kill and was pretty good. At the end of the season, into the playoffs, the, he went inside with Minnesota. So I don't understand how they like what they saw. They like the change. I identified the one change they made, and they didn't even resign the guy. Not that I wanted them to, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And sure enough, how good was the penalty kill this year? So good. Fucking terrible. <laughs> like, un- unbelievable. Like, wow. Shocking. Shocking. Yeah, it's like you want to be like Ron. Like, you're making me look stupid because I defend your dumb ass, and then you go and do shit like this. Like, I expected so much more, and I'm just shocked. 
It, it, like I get, it makes me mad. Like, I love Hexall. I tell people, in Hexall, I trust. And then he does this shit. Mm. And it's just, it's idiotic. And, you know, and it, it all comes together when he, they literally say, like, Ron, we're going to fire you. And he probably said, if you don't fire the coach. And he said, well, then I guess I'm, I'm out. That's probably what happened. Not so many words. And that's even more idiotic because the guy you're standing up for is Dave friggin' Hackstall. Yeah, I mean, uh, as as excited as I was when we got Hextall, um, just as happy to see him go, man. Like, I was shocked when it happened. You know, I was kind of like, damn, like, it's over. He was doing a lot of good things, but at the same time, it's something that had to be done, I think. And, you know, here we are. Uh, I'm excited for the future. Uh, they have, you know, the, the, the organization is, is in good shape. You know, they, they, they have options. They can make some moves and, uh, you know, we can move on. We don't have to worry about another four years of going through the same shit. Um, so I'm excited for the off season. Uh, hopefully I'll be excited for next season. Um, hopefully there's a couple more changes. And if, uh, I know you have, uh, you want to give some grades that you want to touch on some of these guys that we saw in the beginning of the year, some of the guys that, you know, made some cameos or are no longer on the, on the flyers. Um, I'll let you start going down that list there, man. I like how you said cameos. Cause that's really all it was. Yeah. Well, how about this? Why don't you, <coughs> excuse me, give me your grade on the Hextall tenure. Okay. So on the Hextall tenure through, through his entire four years, you know, understanding his plan and not just, you know, calling it a complete shit show. Uh, I mean, he, he did what a GM is supposed to do, I think, you know, in, in upgrading the entire system. You know, there, there are different ways to rebuild a team. Unfortunately, he picked the longest way to do it. Um, and, but he did hit on a lot of guys, so... You know, he, he chose that route, and he was doing it right. Unfortunately, it did not really impact the NHL roster, so I can't give him higher than a B, and that's what I'll, I'll go with. Well, Jimmy, you and I are eye to eye. That's what I gave him, a B, and it basically for the rebuilding of the farm system and other such players, possibly a franchise goalie and then some. Yeah, I think you said it, you said it right. That's, I feel the same exact way, a B is what I gave him. So what would you give him for just this season, 18-19? This season, and I'll start from the offseason. You know, he yep. did have the big signing with JVR, which, uh, you know, I'm not sure any of us really saw it coming. Um, from this, from the offseason till he was fired, you know, he had the chance to sign a couple guys. He, he, you know, he could have made some moves. He had a pretty decent amount of uh, assets stocked up. Um, he had the option to move on from Hackstall during the offseason and get a coach. He had, he had the option during the season to move on from Hackstall, even if he would have just fired him and, and went with Gordon. You know, it would have bumped, bumped up my grade a little bit. Um, and fortunately, you know, it seemed like he was ignoring all of that and was just kind of riding things out. Um, I, have, I mean, how can I give him anything better than an F? It seemed like he did nothing. I mean, if you want to, if you want me to factor in the JVR signing, I'll give him a D. You know? Pretty close there as well. I gave him a D plus for the JVR signing. Um, yeah, I almost should give him an F just for the way he defended Hackstall. But if he had a plan and it was unyielding, you know, 
I give him a little bit of slack for that, but yeah, D plus is not a good grade. Neither is a D. So we average out yep. to a D, and I agree yep. with that. So what would you give? I want to. I'm going to flip this up on you. What would you give Hackstall his grade for just this season? An F. He was terrible. I hated everything about him. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I also gave him an F. Yes. So how about his tenure overall? Uh, overall, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and again, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and, and I'll assume that Hextall kind of molded him ha- as his puppet. Um, and I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll try to go on the nice side and say maybe he overachieved with the roster that he was given and I'll, I'll give him a, a D plus and, and that's being nice. That's so far. I gave him a C minus because he did yeah, have two yeah. playoff appearances, even though he was embarrassing them. It was still a playoff appearance, and you know, a short period of time. He over, and yeah, he did overachieve, overachieve in that first season. So, yeah, nevertheless, still way under par for what we need in Philly. Um, yep. And so, I'm just going to throw out some names here. I only want to talk about the last one, uh, but this is some of the uh, name players in this past season. Uh, I'm going to give you their names and grade. Ready? Uh, Michael Neuberth, I give him an F. He played six games. He was one, four, and one, had an 859 save percentage, giving up roughly 4.27 goals a game. Jordy Leterre, the Coke King, played, I give him an F as well, played 27 games. He has one goal, two assists, or three points. Dale Weiss, I actually gave him a solid C. Uh, 42 games played, five goals, six assists for 11 points. Uh, just another Hextall hex signing we didn't really talk about that was a complete miss. Way too many years with four. Uh, Jordan Wheel, I give him a C minus. 28 games, three goals, six assists for nine points. I think he has more points with Boston already, if not pretty close, and much less games. He just did not belong on this team. Christian Fallen, C minus. 26 games, zero goals, two assists, two assists for two points. Again, I think he has the same for Montreal right now, if not more. Never fit in. Uh, had a couple of McDonald blunders. Um, but he also didn't – I didn't hate him, hate him, so he gets a C-. minus. Terrell Goldborn, C+. Plus, two games, no points, but he was brought up whenever the team needed to get a, fly, a fire lit under their ass. Uh, one, if you want to comment on you, let me know. Mikhail uh, Vorobiev, uh, 15 games, one goal, one assist, two points. First two games were great. Next 13, not in a row, obviously. Pretty shitty. Unbelievable. It's just the way his camp was. That was a little surprising. And they expect to see him back up next year. Uh, I'm a little shocked to hear that with some of the other players because I thought he had a shot. I thought he blew it, quite honestly. Do you have any thoughts on Verobrev before I move on? Uh, I would like to see him traded. I think he's one of those guys where maybe he does better in another uh, another team. And let's see if you can package something. I I can't see him playing for the Flyers, honestly. Oh wow, that, I actually agree with that. That'd be that'd be great. You know, it's just like a sweetener or something. That'd be perfect. Yeah. So some of the goalies that we saw this year. Uh, remember, we had Calvin Picard. I gave him a C plus. He uh, played eight games, four wins, two losses, two overtime losses, eight point or point eight six three save percentage. That's really bad. About just over four goals a game at four point oh one. Mike McKenna only played one game. We won't touch on that. Loin was better last year than he was this year, although he was not very good this year. Stolars played 10 games. He was or he, he was in 10 games. I'm not sure how many he started, but he was 4-3-3. Three, three. Is that correct? Yeah, that's 10. Yeah, 4-3-3. Three, three. 
902 save uh, uh, 0.902 save percentage with giving up roughly 3.33 goals a game. Actually, I gave him a, a B plus, not bad, but the trade kind of ruined that for me because we got jack shit for him. When you think about it, so the last player I wanted to talk about, the one I actually wanted to talk about, I want to know what grade you'd give him, Jimmy. Wayne Simmons this year, 62 games played, 16 goals, 11 assists for 27 points. He was on par to finish with roughly 21 goals, 17 assists for what would that be? 38 points. Yeah. He, he just didn't look like himself. He doesn't look like the Wayne Simmons that we know. And, you know, the Wayne Simmons that we love, he just, you know, let's just assume that he was hurt or he's coming back from an injury. He just didn't look like the same guy at all. It was time to move on. I did want to discuss him because he's been so good for us in the past. Um, you know, I was curious to see what Hexall would have got for him. I was curious to see if Hexall would have traded him, to be quite honest with you. Uh, hmm. But, yeah, to get, just get some of the crap players out of the way for our uh, season in review, those are some of the – I almost wish I could play music while that was playing, just some of those names. <laughs> like, just absolutely ridiculousness. And a lot of players who Hexall would play a lot, which is just shows you how horrible he was. Truly, at least at evaluating talent, I'll say as much as that. I don't want to kill him too much, but yeah. So, hey, on the bright side, I mean, it can only get better from here on out. Knock on wood, you know. Um, hopefully, they can add some pieces over the summer. Well, um, I actually have two more things for you. Oh, go ahead. So, last grade, what do you give Paul Hogram and I believe it's Dave Scott? He's the CEO of Comcast. <laughs> That's a tough one here. See, like, you know, I, I think they're – I almost think that their hand was kind of forced. I mean, I understand the whole business aspect from the Comcast po- uh, point of view, um, you know, but I don't – I don't, I truly don't believe unless, you know, and that article did come out. I think that was by – who was that by? Oh, I, I, I know what you're I, talking about, but I can't remember. I can't remember. So let's assume – let's assume that that's true. Um it was almost like their hand was forced, you know, like the team's bad. You're hearing all this stuff about Hextall. You're almost like, okay, dude, you, you know, fire the coach or it's you. So if like, if you're, if you're Paul Holmgren and you give Hextall those two choices, it's basically a win-win for you. Right. Because uh, if Hextall goes and fires the coach, okay, let's bring in a coach that we want. Now, if Hextall says no, okay, we're going to fire you and then we're going to fire your coach. Right. Yeah. So that scenario was a win-win. Their hand was almost forced if, if all that information that came out was true. Obviously, at the time, the Flyers were near the bottom of the league, so it didn't make that – it didn't really help his case to stick around. Um, you know, I'll give I'll give those guys uh, – I mean, man, it's tough to even give them a grade, but I'll go with a, I'll go with a C plus. How's that? Let me see. That's, I had a – yeah, that's exactly what I had, Jimmy. How about that? <laughs> I promise I didn't steal it. I promise. Well, it's funny. The only thing I'll say is, like, the reason I asked why I give them a grade is, like, how they handled everything. And when they fired Hextall, why not fire Hextall then and bring up bring up uh, Scott Gordon? Yeah, I agree. I just feel like everything's been botched. And the whole when Hextall was coming back, oh, they fired Hextall, they hired Quenville. No, just kidding. They didn't do any of that. Well, they actually fired Hextall, but they didn't hire Quenville. 
you know, Carter Hart's coming up. And it's just like they botched everything. Oh, they, I don't think they did a, enough of an extensive GM search either. I feel like they had their guy. They interviewed like two other people to make us happy. And they still hired their guy who mm-hmm. doesn't have this great track record or anything. Like, so I, I don't, I just, I, I don't understand. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, hopefully from here on out, you know, that they have their guy in Chuck Fletcher. Hopefully Chuck goes out and, and gets his guy. Uh, hopefully he hires an alpha coach, you know, somebody like uh, like a Barry Trotz or Joel Quenville. Or there was one more guy I had in mind here. I can't think of him now. But, you know, I, I hope that he gets somebody with experience that won't take any shit behind the bench because I think that's what this team lacks most. You know, um, I think he can stir a lot of this team together. Maybe they make a small – uh, significant move, you know, to the roster and, and just to tie it all in, you know, and, and, you know, I'll talk about this more on our next show, but you know, I put out a tweet before the show and I don't think they're going to go out and get a guy like Aaron or a guy like Carlson, you know, and that, that could piss some people off, but that's, it's my opinion. I know. And I'm not so sure that that is the necessary move, you know, but, you know, before I go off on that more, cause we got to wrap up here. Um, I'm excited for the offseason. It should well, be interesting. Go ahead. What do you want to add in? You, only because you brought up possible head coaches. It just recently came out that Chuck Fletcher said there will not be an extensive search for head coach. They will know who their coach is before the June 21st draft. So that's – what's today? April 4th. So what? One – About three months. Two – yeah, like, yeah, yeah, just under three months. So it's a long time, but, you know, you got all the playoffs going on and all that. What does that That's tell you? Is, are you worried that they won't do a good enough search? Does that tell you that they got their guy and there's a handshake agreement? Like, what, what, do, you, what do you get out of that? No, it tells me they have somebody in mind, and as soon as the season's done, they'll start making some, uh, some moves. So do you think they got one guy in mind? If he says no, they just say, all right, we're going with Scott Gordon. I'm going to assume that there's some kind of an agreement in place already. I hope you're right, and I hope it's Joel Quenville, and I can't see it not being it. Hell yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it was a little alarming, but if they get the guy that we want, it's perfect. So, yeah, yeah, no, that just came out, so I did want to ask you about that. But, yeah, other than that, Flyers are down 6-3 right now. Not that we care. Uh, Yeah, that's all I had for tonight. Those are the start of our – 2018-19, 2018-19, a season in review. Yeah, it was pretty fun, actually. I mean, it, you know, once we get to the actual meat of the roster, it'll probably be uh, you know, even more fun. But, I, hey, speaking of fun, I have a, a little bit of a giveaway here. Uh, we have a winner picked out. Uh-oh. Um, it's that time, time to announce uh, the winner of our autographed Brian Boucher. I almost said Bobby Boucher. Yeah. Um, the winner of our autographed Brian Boucher photographed um, if you retweeted uh, the tweet that I sent out and follow both uh, the Angry Jim account and our HW radio account on Twitter, um, then you're eligible to win. So we have picked out a winner, and the winner of the prize is Connor Donald. Your Twitter handle is at Connor10, C-O-N-N-O-R-T-E-N. Uh, Connor, make sure you send us a, a direct message uh, as soon as possible uh, so we can get your mailing info. Um, congratulations and thanks for listening and participating. Is that Connor McDonald? No, nope. Connor Donald. Well, congratulations. Uh, Brian Boucher is a flyers legend. Uh, He may not have been a hall of famer or (laughs) the guy to take us to a cup, but he's beloved here in Philly. Hey, he's a guy that gave us all, you know, typical Philly player. 
Um, and great so, analyst yeah. at that. Yeah, he is a good analyst. That's true. Um, so, yeah, we're going to put a bow on this one, guys. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening. And uh, we hope to talk to you guys next week.